Hello, 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 and welcome to the Good Life with Dawn Richards podcast. I am Dawn Richards, your host, and I'm so excited to be back with you again. You know, every time I come on the podcast, it looks like we've jumped leap years ahead, not actually, but time is definitely moving. So we're now entering into the month of September, and I tell you, there's so much happening in the world And so my prayer and my hope, which is my highest expectations for good for you, is that you are continuing to stay rooted and grounded in your walk with the Lord. You're staying close to God because it's just not possible to live successfully. It never really has been, but especially now with all that's happening in the world, if you've tried it, you probably are saying I'm a witness that. If you're not connected to God, really and truly, not just, you know, play church, not just saved on Sundays, but really, truly rooted and grounded in the Lord, in his covenant promises to you, in what it means to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. then you know, it's hard out here for a non-believer. You know, there <laughs> there was a movie and, and there was a song that um, they sang in the movie and it said it's hard out here for a pimp. The, the name of the movie is Escaping Me. It came out in the 2000s, but it's hard out here for an unbeliever. It's hard out here for a Christian who's, you know, only halfway saved. It's hard out here if you're not connected to your life source. So we don't want to be in that camp. We don't want to be in that category. You know, this is not the time to fold up, you know, your covers and get under the covers and go hide and, and pray that, you know, the devil doesn't bother you. No, this is the time. To let him know you're just getting started. We are just getting crunk for Christ. Uh, That phrase used to be out back in the day. Again, I don't recall if it was from a song. I think Kirk Franklin had a song called Crunk for Christ. I could be wrong. So (laughs) you don't have to correct me if I am. But the point being, it's time to take it up another level. It's not the time to give up. It's the time to double up. You know, if you have ever had an illness on your body and maybe you went and got a prescription from your physician, um, it could have been even been an over-the-counter um, medication and you started taking it and the symptoms didn't improve. Instead, they got worse. You might have had some instructions on there from your physician that said, in case of symptoms worsening, double the dosage. Well, guess what we're doing? Because the symptoms in this world, the craziness that just the unhinged nature of this world right now, the people in this world, and the crazy things that people do, um, it's, 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 <laughs> it's as bad as it's ever been. And unfortunately, it's going to get worse because the Bible told us it would. But the good news is we can double the dosage. We can double the dosage with the word of God, with the prayers that we pray in faith, because the Bible says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. We can double the dosage when we apply the blood of Jesus over our lives and over our families every day. We can double the dosage in what we do in this natural realm to take on these realms of authority as elected officials and as responsible corporate, you know, responsible citizens in our communities standing up to corruption and all the things that. We're faced with in this life. We have something to say. We have something to prove. And that's that the power of God is alive and well. Jesus Christ is alive and well and reigning and ruling through his body in this earth. So I pray that I am talking to my fellow soldiers, my fellow soldiers in the army of the Lord, because this is our time. This is our time to shine. 
And don't you let that devil scare you. Don't you let anything or anyone make you back off of who you are in Christ Jesus, because you have the greater one living in you. And all things are possible to him who believes. Glory to God. So I've stirred up. I'm here to stir you up because there's no better way to go into a new month and to, you know, all that God has awaiting for us. The new again, I, I continue to believe that God has new seasons unfolding. God is the God of the new. He's the God of new beginnings. Every day he gives us a new beginning with a new sunrise and, a, and um, you know, new new opportunities to breathe and to to live and to function and to make a difference. And so I, I just want to encourage you, don't allow temporary situations and circumstances, no matter how challenging they may be. And I know that the things can get pretty challenging um, in this crazy, dark world. But the good news is you're on the winning side if you're on the Lord's side. And he will always come through for you. And we're going to see that in what I want to share with you today, because we are on episode 49. Woo! It's exciting for me. And I actually don't know if this is going to be the formal title, but I do want to talk to you for a few moments today about focus. Um, I do believe we are being called again to just maintain our focus but not just on anything we've got to be focused on the word we've got to be focused on what god said you know there's a there's always the temptation with trouble with the things in the world with just the natural pull of the world to get our focus over on those things and off of what god is doing what god has said what god has promised because that's where the answers are. That's where the victory is. And so the enemy is not stupid about that. He knows that. So he's going to try to distract and to divert our focus. But we have to be intentional. We have to be wise to his schemes and we have to shut it down and recognize, hey, I've been sitting here scrolling on my phone for the last 25 minutes. I could have been reading my Bible. I could have been praying. I could have been worshiping the Lord. I could have been meditating on the word. I could have been, you know, doing that a gazillion things other than that. And so those are distractions. And no, it's not wrong. I'm not making a law or a rule saying you can't scroll on your phone on social media. You can't do this. You can't watch a movie. No, we're not in bondage. It's just a matter of being wise stewards of the life we've been entrusted to with the gift of life, the, the, the time we have remaining because the days are winding up. And if you can't tell it by all that's happening, I want you to go read your Bible. I want you to go read the New Testament. And you'll be able to see clearly for yourself that we're in the last of the last days. So with that, I want to get us just refocused, recharged and making sure that we're maintaining our focus um, so that we don't miss what God is wanting to do for us and what he is doing so that we can be a part of it and experience that supernatural flow in our own lives. So. Let's go to Matthew 14. We're going to hang out in Matthew 14 today. And if you need to go grab your Bibles or something to write, take notes with, feel free. If you can't do that or if you just want to listen, that's great, too. You can always come back and do a, you know, a slower pace of just writing notes, studying. It's available for you to listen, download, share, like all the things um, as often as you would like. It's my gift to you. And. We're going to start in John 14, and I want us to to go to um, verse 22. But before we get there, we're not going to just jump to verse 22 today because 
This entire chapter, oh my goodness, you have to read the entire chapter. When I tell you it is a revelation, it's a whole revelation, you know, they say now one of the one of the vernaculars that people love to say now is a vibe. You know, ooh, that's a vibe. Well, honey, this is more than a vibe. It's a revelation. And I'm telling you from start to finish, there's so much here. God has t- packed so much into this chapter. And so I just want to kind of paint the scene so you see how significant it is when we get to where we're going in verse 22 and beyond. So the chapter starts off and we see the tragic death of Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, happening. Herod has to fulfill this crazy whim um, of this little girl who, you know, just out of immaturity says, hey, I want John the Baptist's head on the platter. Her mom actually put her up to it. So shame on her, wicked. But (laughs) in any case, he dies, he's beheaded. And like any person, Jesus, because see, this is the thing. Jesus was a real person. He was operating as a man in the earth, using his faith, just like you and I, showing us how possible it is to flow in the supernatural, to walk with God, to be one with God at all times, which is why he never sinned. But yet he was a man. He was fully human and he was fully God. And so when someone close to you passes away, when someone close to you is tragically, brutally murdered, It's going to hit you in your feelings. It's going to hit you in your gut. I don't care how much you trust God, how much you love God, how much you know the power of joy and you count it all joy and all of that. You're going to feel some kind of way. I'm sure he was tempted to grieve. The Bible says there's nothing that we face that Jesus didn't also face. There's no temptation that has come upon us that the Lord didn't have to deal with in his life. So I'm sure he was tempted with grief. I'm sure he was tempted with with sadness, deep sorrow. And so he's wise enough to know, you know what? I need some time to myself. So after he gets the news of John's death, he really just wants to go and be alone. He needs some time to himself because everywhere he goes, the crowds are flocking to him. People are literally thronging him because they're hungry for the power of God. They're hungry for the life and the miracles and the joy and the love and the peace that they never experienced before until he came into the earth. And so he gets on a boat by himself and he goes off to a remote area just to be alone, just to, you know, take it, take in everything that's just happened to his cousin, just to process it, just to, I'm sure, probably cry, just to Jesus showed emotions, you know, just to have that time for the father to build him back up and to restore him. But before he could even really settle in, as soon as he got off the boat, Do you hear me? The people were right there. The crowds were right there. Now, they didn't know what had happened in his life. They had no idea. All they knew is, oh, here he is. He's in our city. He's on our shore. Oh, let's go. We got to get to him. We got to get to him. And so before he could even get off the boat, literally, the crowds were right back there greeting him and thronging him. And the Bible says something so beautiful about the Lord. It says, He totally forgot about himself in that moment. He forgot about his pain. He forgot about the fact that he needed time for himself to recharge, to restore, to be built back up, to mourn the loss of his family member. You know, this man that had helped him launch launch his ministry. Um, And the Bible says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
he didn't get angry. He didn't get frustrated. He didn't say, man, I wish these people would just go somewhere and leave me alone. Can I just have five minutes to myself? He didn't do any of that. The natural things that we would do. Instead, he had compassion. And that word compassion, when you see that in the Bible, it means that God wants to do you good and make you happy. And so he couldn't deny himself. And so he healed them. And, you know, things just kept going. So time is passing. It's getting late. And then here comes the disciples. Here comes you and me and what our reaction would be about all of this. So his posse made it made their way there as well. The disciples. And then they come over to him and they say. Now, just listen to how fleshly this is. This is in verse 15. If you want to follow along, they say, hey, you know, it's getting late out here. This is my paraphrase. Um. Go ahead and send them away so they can go to the village and buy themselves something to eat. They need to go buy themselves some food. They hadn't thought once about how they could serve the people. And in their minds, it wasn't even a possibility. And Jesus, in the very next verse, in verse 16, says. He responds to them and he says, that isn't necessary. You feed them. And they literally say impossible, like before they could even take another breath, they eke out the fact that they could not see how they could feed these people. They say, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. So Jesus is not moved. Once again, he's still in his calm, anointed, blessed flow. He says, okay, bring those to me. So they bring over the five loaves and the two fish. Now, these are crowds. Ultimately, it was estimated to be 5,000 men plus women and children. So this miracle, if you were modest in your estimation, if you said there was one wife for every man, that's automatically multiplied to 10,000 people. And then you add children, you just give each couple one child. And you know, many of them have more than one child, especially back then, because there was no birth control. <laughs> so if you just modestly said each family had one child and a husband and a wife. You've already multiplied the crowd to 15,000 people that were fed off of five loaves of bread and two fish. So we're talking ultimate miracle zone and the disciples are right in the thick of it with the Lord. He lets them participate in this miracle. He lets them get in on it. They get to present the seed. They even get to help distribute and cause and, 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 and see that supernatural multiplication take place because they had to help distribute the food. And so what started is five loaves and two fish. After Jesus blessed it and asked God's blessing on it, he started breaking it off, breaking off a little something, something. And every time he would break it off, there would be more to break off. And the Bible says that it wasn't like everybody just got a crumb. Now we're talking modestly now about at least 15,000 people. Remember this. The Bible says in verse 20, all these people ate as much as they wanted and they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. I'm talking about when you and I get in lockstep with God, miracles happen. Miracles are the order of the day. The supernatural is the natural order. It is the natural flow of things. God loves that. He loves to do us good and make us happy. Jesus put aside his grief. He put aside and he would get back to that time of solitude. We see that. But for that time, he put it aside and he prioritized the father's heart 
of healing and helping these people. He prioritized finishing the miracle off. See, he's a he's a God of wholeness. He's not just going to touch your body and then leave your bank account broke. If you give him access, he's going to bless you in every way. He's going to bless your bank account. He can bless your body. He can bless your marriage. He can bless your job, your career, your children. As much as you'll let him get in and touch and, and, and have access to is as much as he will show himself strong in your behalf. So don't limit him. The disciples were literally there stand talking about this is impossible. Go on and tell them to go somewhere and get themselves something to eat because it's getting late. <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, we don't need to do that. You're going to feed them. So now they just come out of this massive miracle. And I, I wanted to take the time to kind of lead into what happened before we get to verse 22. So now we're at verse 22. And Jesus goes ahead and he tells him, OK, I want you guys to go ahead and get in the boat. And cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, remember those words, cross over to the other side. When God tells you to go somewhere, when he tells you you're going to arrive somewhere, when he tells you he has a destiny for your life, bank on it. Is the enemy going to try to come in and stop it and deter it and throw a monkey wrench in it and try to get you off course and cause you to lose your focus and forget about what God promised? Yeah, probably. You mean even though God loves me? Yeah. Even though I'm born again and a Christian and I love Jesus? Yeah. Because he's already given us power and victory over it. And we're going to see that here. But he gave them clear instructions. And I just have to tell you, as for me, that particular scripture in, <laughs> in uh, specifically, I use that when I travel. I literally lay my hands on the plane, the, pl the car, whatever. And I say, we will pass over to the other side, meaning we're going to get where we're supposed to be going. If I'm in a plane, I'm not supposed to be in the ocean. I'm supposed to be on the next tarmac, the next runway to wherever that destination airport is. And that's where we're going, angels. You have your assignment. We're going to get to the other side. And whatever we're facing in our day-to-day -day lives, God has said, we're going to get to the other side of it. We're not going to pitch a tent and get stuck there. We're going through. We're going to the other side. Hell is not your destination. Misery is not our destination. Torment is not our destination. Putting up with the devil's crap 24-7 is not our destination. Ruling and reigning. Having victory. Having a testimony. After you've been through the test. That's your, des that's your destiny. Glory to God. So we pick up in 22. He sends the disciples on their way. He blesses them essentially because he tells them, hey, go ahead and cross over to the other side. And then he goes off once again to reclaim that time of solitude. The Bible says in the hills by himself to pray. So he's gone back to his prayer time. He's gone back to being by himself. Um, and night had come by this time. It's nighttime. So meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. They've gotten way off into the water, so they're no longer close to the shore. And a strong wind kicks up. There's this strong wind, and they start fighting these heavy waves. And so about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes to them. So, I mean, they are at it. They have been out there for some time. And he's walking on the water. Now, can you just imagine? I kind of can empathize with the disciples a little bit on this because they're out there. They're already just having a hard go at it because of the storm and the wind and the waves 
and not using their authority that they could have very well used. And then you see somebody, this figure, this person walking towards you. (laughs) It's pitch dark. It's three in the morning and they're walking on water. And so they freak out and they scream in terror. I mean, these grown men scream out in terror and they thought that Jesus was a ghost. But he knew he knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew exactly how they were feeling. And he said, it's all right. I am here. Don't be afraid. And I want you to hear that today. God is saying to you and to me that whatever we're going through, it's all right. It's all right. Not it's going to be all right, but it's all right. It's already all right. Why? Because he's here with us. He's with us in this trouble. He lives and breathes inside of us. So he's with us. And the Bible says not only is he with us, he's with us in trouble to deliver us, Psalm 91 says. And after he delivers us, he throws us a party. He honors us. Glory be to God. So he says, you don't have to be afraid. It's me. And so Peter, I don't know if he was being cute. I doubt it because they, again, they probably, their little hearts were probably just beating out of their chest at this point almost before the Lord speaks to them. He says, okay, well, Lord, if it's really you, verse 28, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. Now, of course, we all know gravity wise and, you know, the laws of of nature and earth and all the things that we're we're capable of doing. Walking on water isn't typically one of them that you'll find a person doing. But we saw Jesus do it. But when Peter issued the challenge, because it was almost like it's a challenge. Okay, I hear you saying that's you, Jesus, but I need one more convincing. If it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Let's do another miracle, essentially. Now, what was Jesus going to say? It ain't me. Uh, No, it's him. So he said, "Okay, come. And the power on the word. See, people say Peter walked on water. He did. Technically, he did. But it was even more than that. He walked on the word on the water. Because he was given supernatural ability that no other person in that boat had when God gave him that word. Every other disciple in that boat could have equally said, I want to walk on the water, too. And I want to walk on the water. And I want to walk on the water. And they could have all walked on the water to Jesus. But Peter was the only one that called for that word, received that word and acted on that word. And as he stepped out of that boat and began to walk on the water, he was doing the impossible. He was literally flowing in the supernatural based on the word of God to him. So Jesus says, all right, come. Hey, it ain't nothing but a thing for me. I'm God. (laughs) It is me. So yeah, come on. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. And this is where in the next verse, Everything kind of goes off course. Everything changes. They were in the glory zone. They were vibing and flowing in the supernatural. Peter was out there walking on the water. You know, Jesus had calmed them down and reassured them. And verse 30 says, but. So whenever you see 
that preposition but, you can cancel out. It's like a zero. It, it acts like a zero. Like it zeroes out everything that just came before it. So it's almost like if I came to you and I said, oh, girl, you know, I went to this restaurant last night and the menu was great and the food was great and the ambiance was great. But that wait staff, that service was, oh, it was the pits. They just zeroed out everything they said. And all you're left with is the service sucked. So here, similarly, there was miracles. You know, there was faith flowing, all of that. But when he, when Peter looked around at the waves, or you could say it like this, when he lost his focus, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. So Jesus was right there to save him. He never left him. He never forsook him. He was right there to save him when he needed it. And then he had to kind of get on to him and, and rebuke him and say, you didn't have much faith. Why did you doubt me? This is Jesus talking to Peter after he did this. So let's back up for a moment and let's look at the dynamics of what took Peter almost in a moment's notice, in a moment's time from flowing with God, hand in hand with God, doing the supernatural, experiencing the supernatural, literally on top of his circumstances to sinking. To being full of fear. To being overwhelmed by the circumstances that were before him, the same circumstances that were before him when he was walking on water, but they didn't have any power over him. And verse 30 gives us the key. Some translations say when he looked down. So in any way you slice it, whether he looked away, whether he looked up, whether he looked around, whether he looked down, he changed his focus. You see, remember I said he was walking on the word on the water because Jesus gave him the word. That word was come. And that word had enough power to uphold Peter on the water. And so he took his focus off of what God said to him, off of what the Lord had said, and he put it on the circumstances. Years ago, when I first got saved and really started getting into the flow of my calling, I remember I was in law school. I was in my apartment one night and I was writing out one of my first sermons. I was just writing it out. Didn't have anywhere to preach it. I think I ended up preaching it in one of my Bible studies that I started doing at law school in law school. But I titled it Promise or Problem. Which will you let have your focus? And so we can go right back here. He had the promise from God. It's me. Come on. Walk on the water. And then he had the problem of this crazy storm. No, no doubting that Satan was behind that. I mean, crazy winds, destructive winds, destructive waves. What does that sound like? Uh, maybe Hurricane Ida, maybe all the storms and destructive things that happen in the earth still today. That's not an act of God. If you ever see that in a contract, strike it out. It's not an act of God. 
God doesn't tear things down. He's not a God of destruction. Throughout the Bible, we can trace him. We can trace his footprint. We can trace his modus operandi. And the only time he's tearing something down is when he's uprooting evil and stamping out evil. He's a God of life, blessing, goodness. But again, you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. So Peter, to kind of wrap this up, he changed his focus. And so we've got to make sure that when we're going through things in life, that when we start out on the good foot, when we start out strong in the word and strong on the word, that even as time passes, because time will try to steal your focus. You know, you've been trusting God and you've been standing on these promises and nothing's changed. You know, it's been five months. It's been one year. It's been, you know, and, and the clock will try to tell you, the calendar will try to tell you, eh. And you'll start looking at the time or you'll look at the circumstances. And sometimes the enemy wants to crank it up, you know, just like right before Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar told them, crank it up seven times hotter. Now, they didn't know they were cranking it up to kill themselves like idiots. But nonetheless, the enemy might try to even come in and flex and say, oh, I got you. I got you. But what he doesn't know is that you got a fourth man there in the fire with you. And when you come out, you won't even smell like smoke. There'll be no hint of smoke. Your clothes will be intact. Your shoes will be intact. Your hair will be intact. Your life will be intact. Glory to God. And so, yes, Jesus was here for the saved. But then he had to ask the question. Why did you doubt me? One translation literally says, why did you let doubt win? why did you let doubt win now I'm a competitive little something I, I have I know that about myself so don't give me a competition don't give me a challenge don't put it to me like a challenge because when he said why did you let doubt win oh it's on now you think you're gonna best me doubt you think you're gonna best me feel oh no you won't and not when God has given us all of this ammunition he tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I mean, you take the sword of the spirit, you take this word and you wield it. And you command the victory that belongs to you. You stand having done all there is to stand. And you see God come through for you again and again. Don't you allow your focus to be diverted in these last days. Don't you allow what the news is saying, what the stock market is saying, what evil, crazy people are trying to do. We have authority over all of that. There is literally a promise. There is literally a truth. Pastor Keith Moore said this, and I love it. He said, there is a truth. The Lord told him there is a truth for every terror. If it can threaten you, terrify you, frighten you, hurt you, God has given you a truth for it. The Bible says that he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So, honey, if it pertains to your life, best believe God has given us provision in his word. And I'm a living witness. God has put everything that we need in the word. So I want to go back to where we started, where, where it all started. Stay hooked up to him. Stay close to him. It may not sound sexy. It may not have you doing cartwheels, but it is what works. It is the simple, bona fide, beautiful truth of life of Jesus. 
of walking and manifesting the goodness of God, of seeing the power of God work in our lives and on our behalf. And let's encourage each other. If you know someone is going through something, they're facing a difficulty, pray for them, encourage them, build them up, send them scripture, you know, spend time, fellowship. We're a body. We need each other. So I'm sowing my seed into you. I pray you pass it on and sow it into someone else. And I just want to bless you now as you go forth from this place of receiving. I pray that your spirit man is strengthened, that you are strong in the Lord and the power of his might, that the good life that Jesus came to give you, life in abundance to the full till it overflows, overwhelms you in every way, every day. And that you are intentionally walking and fulfilling Walking in and fulfilling God's divine, blessed purpose for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate you. I so appreciate you being connected and sharing the podcast, sharing the ministry. And until we're together again, God bless you.